Welcome everyone to the Cardano Effect podcast, episode 33. The purpose of this podcast is to take high-level developer information and projects that are occurring within the Cardano space and break them down into bite-sized, consumable pieces of information for everyday use. I'm your host, Philippe, and let's get this podcast started. So Rick and I are the hosts today. We're missing Sebastian. Sebastian will join us again in the future. I want to remind everyone that if you are not subscribed to the Cardano Effect, please consider subscribing. If you like the content that we're putting out, if you don't like the content that we're putting out, still consider subscribing. Our podcast is growing tremendously, and we thank you for all your support, all your comments. Continue leaving comments on the Reddit thread. Continue following us on Twitter and sending us tweets, and we're on we're in Telegram. So reach out to us. Please reach out to us. I want to remind everyone that last week's episode was episode 32, and we had Charles Hoskinson and David Esser on, and we talked about everything from the Shelley testnet to Gogan to the new roadmap. It was a long marathon episode, but there was a lot of gold nuggets that were sprinkled throughout the episode. So it was a great episode. You should check that out. So we have a few guests today that uh, Rick will be introducing very soon. And I want to start this podcast as quick as possible. So I want to remind everyone that none of what we say on this podcast is financial advice. Remember, you are your best financial advisor. And if you don't think you are, you need to find someone who's qualified to do so. So with that being said, Rick, how are you doing today? What's going on? Hey, Philippe, I'm doing great today. Thank you for asking um, and calling in from Japan this time around. And I wanted to uh, remind the viewers that this podcast is available on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. And I also want to give a shout out to Sean Alamov running the meme contest over on the Cardano forum. He has hundreds of memes inputs. The judging is in progress. We should have results from that meme contest shortly. And there was a lot of really funny inputs. So we're going to have to aggregate those memes and get those posted somewhere because they are really funny. The Cardano community has a real sense of humor. All right. So for today's podcast, here at the Cardano Effect, we reach out outside of the Cardano ecosystem to other people and we want to to introduce them to the Cardano ecosystem. And we want to introduce our viewers to the other networks and other systems that are out there because one of the core aspects of Cardano is interoperability. And the only way you get interoperability is you have to reach out and talk to those other people out there. So today, on today's podcast, we have guests Alex and Sam from the Saturn Network. So uh, let's start with Alex. Alex, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us where you're calling in from. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi guys, my name's Alex Tsankov. I'm a developer based in New York City, and I work mainly on Ethereum Classic and Ethereum-based uh, infrastructure. All right, thank you, Alex. Sam? Hi, my name's Sam. I'm currently dialing in from France. I'm uh, more to do with community management, anything to do with uh, communications for Saturn Network, and helping kind of our founder, Noran turn his kind of high-level ideas into more uh, readable English and make sure that everyone can understand what's going on. All right. That's fantastic. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today, both of you. We very much appreciate it. So let's start with the very high level, and then we'll work our way down into the details, into the smaller pieces. Most people are familiar with Ethereum and ERC-20 tokens and things like that. So people are generally familiar with Ethereum. Let's start with what's Ethereum Classic, then we'll work our way down into the Saturn network. So can you tell us a little bit about Ethereum Classic? Yeah, I'll hop in right here. So in 2000, so Ethereum was launched in 2015 with the idea of being this world computer where uh, transactions can be run, software can be run in a way that is completely decentralized and spread all around the world. 
And it did this through smart contracts. And in 2015, they launched this uh, project, the Ethereum project. And everyone was sort of still wondering, like, what is Ethereum? How do we use it? How can this thing be important? So really, the most notable thing that happened in 2015 to 2016 was that people came up with this idea for the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And the idea with the DAO was that it was going to be a decentralized VC that will be collecting capital in the form of Ether and distributing that to projects all around the world. So they everyone was so excited for this DAO. And then what happened was, is within, uh, it ended up raising around $100 million worth of Ethereum. And it was became the largest contract on the Ethereum blockchain. And around 2016, uh, there was a flaw that was discovered and a hacker was able to exploit that flaw to steal a large portion of the money in the DAO. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. And the community sort of split. One part of the community believed that the transactions should be reversed and that the money should have been given back to the DAO holders. And another smaller part of the community believed that code was law and that the project ran entirely as it should. And they chose to not reverse the transactions. And since then, you've sort of had these two communities, uh, the Ether Classic community, Ethereum Classic, where they believe in code as law, and the Ethereum community, more with the vision of the world computer, uh, sort of governed more actively. And, and that's sort of, in a nutshell, the, the difference between them. So Ethereum Classic is the true original chain. Yes, uh, the, it was the original chain based on what everyone believed building this project and the original ideas behind what Ethereum is. So Ethereum Classic is kind of rough and tumble. It carries all of its scars for all it's been through. It's been through the DAO attack. It's been through 51% attack. And uh, it's still immutable. Yeah? Absolutely. So the big core thesis of it is that... Uh, any contract, any software that's deployed on Ethereum Classic should be able to run forever without any intervention by node operators or the network or miners. And this gives an incredible amount of power to people because it allows them to encode these really complex contracts that we have all around the world. Things like insurance, stocks, uh, ownership of goods, software licenses, etc. And to uh, encode these really interesting smart contracts, and they know that nothing is going to be changed to make sure that those don't work a few years down the line. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you, Alex. That was a great explanation. So now we're moving from Ethereum Classic to your project, the Saturn Network. Where? What is the relation? What's the history behind the Saturn Network? And how long have you been around Give us some insight on what this project is and what it means for the entire crypto community. Yeah, definitely. So we've been around for about two years, kind of looking at the industry and noticing how exchanges were developing and changes that were happening to how people were organizing their token sales. And we kind of noticed that even though blockchain technology and smart contracts were we're kind of fabled to bring on this new era of innovation and help businesses kind of come out of the grips of middlemen. It wasn't really happening. And in reality, you were just seeing new kind of monopolies form that were stifling innovation and just in it to kind of line their own pockets. So 
what Sutter Network is essentially trying to create tools, open the doors and make it kind of very easy for businesses to join the decentralized ecosystem and keep growing and reach kind of more blockchains and, and a wider audience. So how do we do that is in first step is, is making a decentralized exchange, which doesn't have any kind of barriers to entry. So we allow free token self-listing because at the moment you kind of see that exchanges act as the entry point for new customers. So if there's any kind of barriers to get onto these exchanges, then it's kind of a barrier to enter cryptocurrency as a whole. And also there's a lot of it just comes down to conveniences because you sign up to these exchanges and it's an easy way to hold all your coins. So another thing we're trying to do is, is make it much easier to hold multiple coins from different blockchains. Um, and that's where kind of our wallet comes in, Saturn Wallet, which supports Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. And you can switch between both networks very easily. And then kind of to wrap it all up is also there's the Saturn DAO, which we're kind of building this whole ecosystem with, uh, with a shared ownership in mind so that there's no kind of one person at the top making all these decisions or that could be, could be uh, fall down to their own kind of greed or something like that. So as soon as you're holding our own Saturn tokens, you're part of the team, you own the platform, we're all kind of in it together and we make decisions as a, as a collective. Thank you. Thank you. I want to hit on the first point. So you talked about this decentralized exchange, so otherwise known as a DEX. Yep. And a lot of the viewers of the Cardano effect, they're based in the US, and we know that there are a lot of regulations that are very stifling. So recently, Bitrex announced that they were removing a lot of ERC-20 tokens, and then Binance followed. And it seems that regulation is still not clear, and I don't think it's going to be clear for the foreseeable future. It's very difficult for some of these smaller projects that may have positive use cases, but their pockets may not be deep enough to force themselves into the system to actually get into the hands of the people that want to actually hold those particular tokens or par participate in that protocol. So where do you think the the idea, what do you think the idea of, de of a DEX or a decentralized exchange, what do you think it's going to evolve to? And why do you think it's important for Saturn to build a DEX? And also, if you could, if you could expand on, sorry to interrupt there, is what is the difference between a DEX and Binance and Bittrex? I mean, yeah, I mean, we can we can start with that. So, what's the difference between a decentralized exchange and a centralized exchange? Is is that when you're trading on a decentralized exchange, you're not kind of giving up any um, control over your funds. So, in Saturn Network's case, all trading happens wallet to wallet. So you don't have to make any deposits. You don't have to make any withdrawals. Whereas if you want to trade on Binance or Coinbase or somewhere like that, once you've signed up, you need to start depositing your tokens into the actual exchanges system. So they'll give you a wallet where you deposit it. And then once they've confirmed that, you can start trading. But that means you've given up control of your funds. So there's a potential possibility of the exchange being hacked and then you just lose your funds or you know if, if there's any downtime from the exchange side then you've lost access whereas if you're trading on a decentralized exchange as in Saturn's case if, if ever our website actually went down well one that you don't actually need the website to trade but if the web page 
did stop working, you you still have all your funds in your wallet. So it doesn't really matter. There's there's no risk there of, of being hacked or losing access to your your own funds. Um, so that's one of the different key differences between a decentralized exchange and a centralized exchange. And I'm sorry, I've, I've kind of forgot the second question you were asking, Philip. If so, the second part, the second part of his question there was um, was well. Let me give you an example. Do, do I have to KYC into a Dex, and right. can the Dex cut me off? Like what Philippe was asking with Binance. Can I'm from New York? Can the Dex cut me off? And do I have to KYC into it? Right. So yeah. So in the news recently, we've seen a lot of exchanges saying that they're they're going to have to stop access to customers based in in North in the United States, and and the and then we we also saw that Binance said, well, you can still use the Binance Dex, just if you can't go on the web page. And whereas that that might be true, in the case of Saturn Network. We're running on blockchains that are proven to be decentralized, such as Ethereum Classic. Like Alex said in the beginning, it's a, a blockchain where you know it's immutable, and no one's going to start stopping access to the actual blockchain because all the the nodes are kind of decentralized. Whereas Binance Dex is is running on Binance Chain, and you don't really know what's going on there, so you could you could actually essentially start censoring access to the actual blockchain. Whereas in our case, it, it's kind of irrelevant. You can't stop access to, to trading on Saturn Network. And just to jump in there, I mean, it's absolutely true that these exchanges go down. I mean, I lost funds in Mt. Gox uh, and they're just gone. It's like, but at least with, with Saturn you know, you can see your funds at all times. You have maximum control and you can't be, you don't have to pay anybody to list there, which is in my opinion, the dumbest expense imaginable because it's like, I'm trying to create a startup, I'm trying to create a company. And in order for people to just be able to interact with my software, I need to pay a middleman a hundred thousand dollars. Or it could be, I, in, I think in Binance's case, it was a million last year to even get listed on there. So tools like Saturn uh, really open up the doors to pretty much anybody. It could be a game studio. It could be, you know, a foreign company. It could be just a a plain security, like a a stock pretty much from somebody in the developing world or like a decentralized financial instrument. I mean, anybody can list for any reason. And I think that's what's so incredibly amazing about Saturn. Another thing I think is amazing about it is I was just practicing it the last couple of days to prepare for this podcast, and I made my trades from me to the other person. That was it. It was a direct one-to-one trade, and it was very fast. My trades were like I was just buying. like I didn't wait for it to go up or down because there's not a lot of volume on it, but I just made a purchase, and it ranged from about 15 seconds to a minute. It usually was on the minute side, but it was... It was one to one. Is that right? Is that how it's working? Yeah, it's it's one to one. You you trade. Uh, I mean, it works by using the smart contract as as kind of like a automated uh, escrow system. But it, it's peer to peer basically. You're you're trading peer to peer, and like you said, the reason it takes maybe a minute is because the order book is is completely on chain. And that means that to make a trade, the network has to confirm a transaction. So 
Occasionally, if you're trading on Ethereum, maybe the chain will take a little bit longer as that blockchain has, has a much more use. Um, but really, I've never seen transactions take longer than kind of five minutes. Uh, lots of people like to kind of spout this, I guess, it's not really FUD because it's true, but yes, a, a decentralized exchange is never going to have those kind of second uh, trading that that maybe people are looking for on a, on a centralized platform. But I think that the security aspects of not being able to lose access to your funds um, vastly kind of outweigh any and you want to be able to make your trade happen in, in under a second. So I wanted to also say as well, because I think that was such a good point by Sam about the idea of speed and what how fast you need these DEXs to be. So I'll give you an example. I was selling uh, a few stocks uh, a couple days ago, and I wanted to sell it at 7 p.m. And literally the only time that I could actually sell it was to wait until the next day for it to be sold at the end of tomorrow with, uh, you know, at 5 p.m. And the beauty of Saturn is that if you want to sell your funds, you want to buy something, it's open 24-7, you know? There is, there is no waiting. So maybe it doesn't take a second, but I would say that the current system we have takes days. Yeah, and I got to be honest with you, OCG was making fun of me because I was paying too much gas. The reason my transactions were so quick, I was leaving it on the default one GUI, which uh, whatever it was, it came out to like less than a penny for my transactions. And OCG was making fun of me. He's old crypto geek on the forums. And he said, hey, you're paying too much in gas. So I turned it down. I, I dropped it by an order of magnitude and it was still rolling my transactions through. Honestly, I was amazed. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Fascinating is probably a better word to describe it. So um, thank you, Sam and Alex, for that. Sam, you have uh, something to add? Yeah, no, as I was just going to say, that that's definitely on, on the Ethereum Classic chain. You know, Saturn Network is, is currently, as a whole, we did some kind of calculations the other day. And if you take into account, like, kind of tokens that we've helped uh, other projects create, and other sort of tools that, that have come about on our ecosystem. We, we take up about 10% of Ethereum Classic's um, daily transactions, and which is for a DAP is, is quite, quite big. And there's not really that many other DAPs running on, on the chain. So that's why you can get away with setting your gas price so low. I mean, if, if as the blockchain grows, and I hope more developers come on board and, and start to create more interesting dApps, then you may see that you have to set your gas price a bit higher to, to continue trading. But, you know, at the end of the day, if that starts to happen, it means that Ethereum Classic is, is being more widely used. So that, that's a win as well. Yeah, I noticed during uh, last bull run that happened crypto wide, like all of the cryptocurrencies had the same, you know, costs of transactions went up whenever that occurred. Hey, I've got a question for you guys. Philippe, did we get your questions answered there? Or did you have something else you're going to ask? I had a, I've got a tweet from CZ Binance. You do that first, and then I'm going to move on to um, the relationship between Cardano ETC and see if we can talk about maybe Saturn Network on Cardano in the future, or what their plans are. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So in summary, so far we touched on what is Saturn Network? What is a DAO? What is a DEX and what is Saturn Network's relationship to this whole thing? Now, there was an interesting tweet 
from CZ Binance. And this guy, a lot of people know him. Uh, so he, he tweeted out, and I want to get Sam and Alex, I want to get your opinion on this tweet and what you think. So he tweeted out a new concept, IDO, is being invented, invented by the Raven Protocol or the Raven team. And creative at Sherman 8 or Sherman 8, uh, let's see how it works. So basically he's saying, uh, and this was yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. June 15th, he tweeted out that they're they're going to invent it eventually. Um, but then there was a response from Saturn Network saying, invent it? Sure. <laughs> so what, what's your take on that? What's going on? Well, I, I think, I can't remember the exact date, but at least a, a month, maybe even two ago, I, I wrote a, a blog article about how you could start using an, our decentralized exchange or any other kind of decentralized exchange as a way to promote your token, as a, as a way to offer a safe way to conduct your token sales. And because, mostly because so many people were moving towards this concept of initial exchange offerings. And I, I find that quite a, a scary kind of move for the industry because it, it means that exchanges are kind of suddenly controlling how tokens enter the market, how, you know, there's so many, there's been so many analyses about them making fake volume. So, you know, how, what if they start doing fake, uh, fake statistics on their token sales and suddenly you think a project has kind of sold out, but maybe they haven't at all and they're not in such a great place that you thought they were. So a way to solve this would be to have your initial token offerings on a decentralized exchange where it's transparent, everyone can check how it's progressing, everyone can see how the sale is going. And most importantly, if you send your your coin, if you decide to participate, you'll receive the tokens uh, without question because the decentralized exchange, the smart contract is is automating the sale for you. Whereas you've also seen kind of launchpad systems that took a whole sale and then nobody received their tokens. They, they either, they went bankrupt or they just kind of ran off and no one knows what happened at all. And so that's why I wrote this article. And then we thought a bit more about it and about a month ago, we launched a Saturn Launchpad, which is a whole kind of UI to support your token sale. And it's again, it's free to use. If you're starting out, it's a great place to sign up and launch your token sale on Saturn Launchpad. And when I say sign up, I just mean you have to submit a, a kind of pull request to our GitHub. There's no actual need to create an account or anything like that. And then you'll have this landing page where you can send um, potential participants and they can safely participate in, in your token sale without having to worry about any of, of those uh, kind of things I just mentioned. So yeah, it was it was quite funny because Binance CZ uh, alluded that he was inventing it with Raven Protocol yesterday, but we have kind of been doing this for a month now. So our, our community was kind of making, uh, was cracking some jokes about that, but that's that's kind of one of the the issues we're facing is is due to ourselves developing in in such a kind of a way to remain completely decentralized and very independently. We don't have the same sort of marketing budgets as as Binance and Coinbase, 
So we can't have these sort of campaigns that maybe would would uh, get some new eyes and make more people aware and help uh, send more people to adopt uh, decentralized exchange trading. I think it's a very important point that you brought up of the fact that when you were talking about the beginning, I think that in the future, there are going to be centralized DEXs and they're going to be decentralized DEXs, if that makes any sense. Because if Binance opens up a DEX, you know, they're going to have some sort of creative control over that DEX and they could be faking volumes, like you said, or making sure that certain IEOs are sold out, appear sold out when they're than when they're not and vice versa. So it's really going to be on the the grassroots projects like yourself that are going to be truly transparent and allowing people to do things in in a matter that we don't have to worry about Binance on yeah. the side doing something like nefarious because they're under regulation. They have They have certain things that they need to abide by and because they do this project doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to do it 100% correctly. Right. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or anything, but you know, it's, it's just, that's, that's why we have such a, a big side of our project is, is also on the educational aspects and kind of raise helping people being able to check these things themselves. Because as we've mentioned before, we, we don't, we, you know, tokens can self list. So people should be doing their own research before they enter trades, because obviously any, anyone can use our platform. So if, if, you, if you think about it, that means it can be used in a lot of ways. We believe that the good ways vastly outweigh the, the kind of any bad that could come with it. But that's why we have such an emphasis on doing your own research, showing you how to check a, that the token is, is the correct one and explaining these things that you can check that your trade has gone through and that sort of thing. Yeah, and the neat thing is that all of these technologies are actually functioning on the Saturn network. I've been playing around with it, like I mentioned earlier, for the last couple of days. And this isn't stuff like here's the article that links to is the Raven Protocol initial DEX offering is what they're working on. I pulled that up. That's where the tweet leads to is articles like that. Now, Sam... And Neuron and a lot of different folks have a lot of articles for the Saturn Saturn network that are linked through the Saturn.network page, which we will link down below. A lot of these technologies that we are currently talking about, they exist. They're already functioning on the network. This isn't future stuff like someone has to invent it. These guys have already built it. I've played with it the last couple of days, and I was surprised at how far along it actually is. Um, it, it's, it actually is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with pimping this out. I mean, I don't have a, because it's working, right? If someone doesn't believe me, go on there and play with it. That sucker's running. They have tools. The tools don't lie. When you go into the Saturn network tools and you click on the stats, there's no fake volume on there. If the trading yesterday was 15 us dollars for a certain token, it tells you 15 us dollars for a token. I've seen tokens that have like a $600 million market cap. And I looked on coin market cap and it said yesterday's trading volume was 800 million. It was 200 million over the existing amount. I was like, what? How do they do that? Obviously they're lying, right? You can't lie on the decks. The tool is simply the statistical bar graph of what is actually happening on the decks. Is that a pretty good description? Yeah, no, that, that's definitely a great description. And I think it, 
like you said, this this problem of fake volume and wash trading, it's been happening for a while now, and I think it's it's only very recently that there's been more awareness around it. I think there's a a separate website I called uh, is it Open Market Cap, which tries to track uh, trading volume without the fake volume. I've written an article about that that tracker before, and I know that I've uh, we were actually contacted by CoinGecko and. I think Coin Paprika as well. They're kind of trying to tra- change their how they track things on their side on their API. So there are different people taking notice of this, and I think it's going to get better. And I hope that will also push more people to realizing um, they need to be trading on on a decentralized exchange. So I'm, I'm thinking this year is, is really going to be good for for adopting on more seeing more volume on a decentralized exchange. That sounds good. Sounds good. Um, and I encourage anyone that hasn't used a DEX before to use a DEX. Just experiment with it because it's very empowering. Uh, Rick, you were using Saturn Network. I haven't used Saturn Network before, but I've used the DEX before. And it just, it feels right. You feel like you're in control and you feel like it. it's... Cryptocurrency is all about autonomy and being in control of your own funds. So you should be in control of your own trades as well, or what projects you can get involved involved in. You have to do your own research, of course, but you need to take this into your own hands and make sure that you're not throwing something to a third party because the third parties are coming in and they're just making everything centralized. And that really goes against everything that crypto stands for, this whole idea of not trusting one party. Rick, did you want to add something? Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I don't want to point out specific names, but there are some dexes out there that are not really a dex. They have the veneer of a dex, but under the hood, they're not so much. Are you guys familiar with what I'm referring to? There are a few of them out there. Yeah, no, I'll I'll um, happily point fingers at. <laughs> I'll happily point fingers at Ether Delta, IDEX, and um, that you can read a very interesting article on our blog called um, Architecture Comparison Comparison of Architecture of Decentralized Exchanges, where we really break it down and look into um, multiple exchanges. But yeah, there's a lot of kind of hybrid decentralized exchanges. And when I say hybrid, it means that their order book is still running on a server. And if your order book is, is running on a server, well, then, you know, it's very easy for a government to say, well, we can't have access to that server or block your a country from visiting the website and not being able to trade. And I mean, if you read through the SEC's ruling, they said that Ether Delta was not decentralized. So I think that speaks for itself. Well, I, you know, I'm actually going to push back a little bit on, on what you're saying, Sam, because yep. I think that what Ether Delta was doing was they do decentralized custody, centralized order book. Yeah. So those are two different things. So with Ether Delta, there was never a moment, or we don't. I don't. I don't know the code well enough, but it never seemed. It, it always seemed like you could control your funds. Like you, even if the website were to go down, you could always pull your money out of it. But the orders, so saying, hey, I want to. I want to sell this token for this much. That was happening off chain. In yeah, sort of a that's server. Correct, yeah. yeah. So definitely that is an area of centralization, but at the same time, that can actually provide a tremendous amount of speed 
because you don't have to do an on-chain transaction every single time uh, you're making an order. So if you're like a high-frequency trader or you're uh, needing to set like a, a market maker or something like that, then absolutely you might want an off-chain, uh, off-chain order book. So I think it's it's not as decentralized, but it is also useful. Yeah, no, it, I think that look, you raise great points, and for me, it's it's more about um, I don't, I don't like making compromises when it when it comes to decentralization, and I think it, a key, another point for the Saturn network is being censorship resistant. Whereas if your order book is is running on a centralized server, I, I don't think you can sort of achieve those those same sort of um, goals. Absolutely. And what actually happened with Ether Delta was that it was sold by the owner to like a Chinese company about two years ago. And yeah. then they basically abandoned the site. So a lot of, the, a lot, of, and they, they, yeah, they bought it. And then for some reason, they just abandoned it. And yeah, I they, think it's ma- yeah. mainly people go on Fork Delta now, but it's Yeah, same, so Fork Delta thing. was a community made front end which yeah. was actually connected to the same smart contract, but the website was different. Yeah. So I think that that's a perfect example of it is somewhat decentralized because the owner walked away and it still was able to survive based on the community alone. Yeah. And I think, uh, Alex, I think uh, what you've described doesn't disagree with what Sam said. And what my key point was that they are, yeah. they are, they are decentralized, but there's a veneer which mm-hmm. is not decentralized, which is a perfect description of yes. the order book. Yes, absolutely. Right absolutely. And, and to be honest, I don't think that most of these tokens actually need high-frequency trading at all. Uh, I mean, unless you're you know, doing a $100 million company or something like that, you really don't need it. However, I think that if we start seeing commodities on the fu- on, put on the blockchain, that would actually be very interesting because you can have some serious trading there. Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with a hybrid solution. You just yeah. got to be aware of what the capabilities and limitations are. You know, a hybrid solution, part of it can be shut down. Part of it can be censored. But if you want purely censorship resistant, purely one-to-one trading, a DEX is the way to go. Yep, no, I definitely agree. With totally that. agreed, yeah. That sounds good. Let Rick, let's move on to the Reddit questions. This oh, is well, the- Philippe. Oh, yes. you, you you had a question earlier where um, it was right on target was, what's the relationship with Cardano? Let's uh, hit that first. Cool? Yes. Let's do that. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Definitely. So, uh, so we're talking about decentralized exchanges and Cardano. I mean, there's a lot of people involved with Cardano. How do they connect? So in a nutshell, uh, Cardano is the leading proof of stake implementation right now of sort of these smart contract platforms. And what Ethereum Classic is, is it's very, it's a lot older, it's very tested, and it has proven this sort of element of uh, decentralization and immutability. And it is a system that is proof of work only. So it's an entirely different consensus mechanism than what Cardano has. And it's a lot slower than Cardano because it has to do mining and, and all of that. But it's a valuable part of sort of an interconnected uh, ecosystem. So if you think about it, you know, where I sort of see things going is you're going to have sort of these Cardano applications, which are incredibly high performance, potentially an order book, for example, that could be living on Cardano. 
but then you have sort of the actual custody of assets or different things that maybe don't need to be as fast, but need to be really decentralized. Those can be living on ETC, which is more of a proof of work backed chain. Uh, so it's kind of closer to, to Bitcoin's architecture than um, Cardano is. So it's sort of this symbiosis of newer, advanced research in the areas of proof of stake, uh, basically L2, and Ethereum Classic, which is much more traditional, uh, decentralized. There is absolutely no company behind it. It's a community-led effort. And that is more of a layer one that can be sort of tapped. So when Cardano deploys Plutus, what needs to happen? How, how are you going to connect Cardano to the Saturn network? I mean, uh, from my understanding, we would more wait for the mainnet release of the KVM uh, Cardano computation layer in order, then we would be able to pretty much deploy a decentralized exchange on Cardano without much problem. And I think that's part of uh, the names of the Cardano roadmap are a bit strange. I think it's part of the Gorgon roadmap. I'm not sure how you pronounce that word. Yeah, Gogan. Gogan, right, Gogan. I think it's part of that roadmap, uh, if I've read it correctly. And once the KVM mainnet layer is, is kind of live, then it becomes much easier to deploy smart contracts onto Cardano. And that, that would open up the possibility of, of deploying a decentralized exchange on, onto the Cardano blockchain. Do you know if the Saturn team plans on doing that? I mean, we are very committed to bringing a decentralized exchange to every blockchain. It's just as, as I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, we're, very, we're quite a smaller project. As we mentioned, a, a grass kind of roots project. So it, 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 it really depends how things move along. We really like the direction Cardano is going and followed kind of the updates. And, and also, and our community members have noticed that, you know, Charles, he does an idol in our, in our chat group and shares his own updates there. So we've already had some interesting conversations with him. And it makes, I mean, it, it definitely, from my point of view, Cardano looks like they are kind of, they're looking like they will lead the way in, in kind of smart contract safety and, and cutting edge cryptography, whereas other blockchains that could be considered these new kind of mainstream blockchains like Tron or EOS, they seem to be doing a couple of things that, that don't really fall in line with people that, that believe in online privacy or decentralization which I think for, for a decentralized exchange makes a lot of sense. Um, so there, that's pretty much that. Yeah, you know, I have another related question. Before we go into the, into the Reddit questions, okay, you guys are operating from an entirely community-based effort. You're not backed by Binance. You're not backed by these big shots. Like, for example, that's um, one of them... Uh, just made a deal with Chainlink. Um, was it Google? Yeah, Google. Google made a deal with Chainlink. That's a massive amount of money. And Chainlink is really cool. Chainlink isn't like competing with Cardano. Chainlink would be something Cardano might adopt or Chainlink might reach out to Cardano and say, hey, Cardano, we want to connect our oracles to you guys. Now, those are big money when you're talking about Google and Binance. You guys are entirely community-oriented what have been your challenges with funding? How do you get more money? Do you, are you going to apply? Like, are you going to have to apply to 
the Cardano Foundation or something like that and say, hey, can you uh, give us Bounty Hunter or a grant so that we can build the connection to Cardano? Uh, how does that work? How, do you, how are you guys going to get more money? Let's start with that. Or, or what, do you need more money? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely has been tricky, especially developing during a bear market. Um, that that was very tricky during the past year, but it, it's uh, I think one one of the things that we haven't really alluded to yet is a lot of our well our, our main development team elected to remain completely anonymous. So when you're that that's kind of in crypto due to the amount of scams that have happened that has always that has been a little roadblock when it comes to funding, um, but. It's something that we we believe in to remain truly decentralized. Then, really, if you're creating a decentralized exchange, your team should be anonymous. You know, there's there's no CEO that could be suddenly brought into some legal dispute or something like that that could um, cause a problem for the exchange. In this way, you you're kind of resisting all 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 kind of vectors of attack, if you if you want to call it like that. Um. So one one way we've we've approached funding is through what we call our HODL DAP, uh, which is a separate DAP that we've deployed onto Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, and it's essentially it's a smart contract that allows you to have a, a time lock to crowd sale, and and it's also it's an open source smart contract that anyone can use it and take it and, and start using it for their their own development, and and what it allows users to do if they want to participate they can receive a bonus in agreeing to lock up their tokens and there's no kind of centralized or, or a person deciding when you get your tokens it's all controlled by the smart contract so once you've participated even if you decided to lock them up those tokens are yours basically how it works is when the date comes that they're redeemable you need to go back with your same wallet and make another transaction, so it, it kind of works with by using your private key and to retain. So you'll get those tokens back out of the smart contract into your own wallet, and and that's that's kind of something that our our community really likes. They like to share that. They share it on Twitter. They share it on Facebook. They share it on Reddit. And so there's a, a lot of kind of a grassroots movement to share our project and and work that way. And and then we what we do is we kind of we announce these huddles with short milestones of what we're going to use the funds to develop, and we never try and raise millions or something like that because it doesn't make much sense to us why these projects are are trying to raise a hundred million dollars and then suddenly they disappear into an island on the Bahamas or something. So that's something we've seen in crypto. So our approach is we set realistic goals and we don't kind of try and ask for millions of dollars we're just trying to raise at the moment i think our huddle is attempting to raise if you convert it to usd it's about twenty thousand dollars and from that we've already developed a market making bot which is open source a price watch bot which is also open source so we, we open source a lot of our code and that way we provide value so everyone who's participated and anyone else who's following our project. 
You guys have built so much stuff with so little money. It's amazing. And shout out to Neuron. Neuron is kind of like the Satoshi Nakamoto of the the Saturn. At least that's what I get. That's the feeling I get when I yeah, was I mean, communicating with you guys. The, the way we see it is is kind of to follow this. Well, you can't really say Satoshi vision anymore because that guy has um, kind of ruined it. But we're trying to follow the, the true Satoshi vision. So you, you can definitely say that when you're speaking to about Saturn Network. And like a, to kind of go back to why we're developing so many tools is it just it helps more people enter blockchain. I mean, I think the, one of the reasons why Alex got involved in Saturn Network is because we provided a DAP browser for Ethereum Classic and being a developer, he was able to quickly create a DAP on Ethereum Classic called uh, PEX. So I don't know if he wants to mention that a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm working on a on a project P3C.io. It's a, just sort of a community project, decentralized algorithmic bank. Um, I mean, that's an entire show on its own right. But basically, it's the largest DAP by balance on the Ethereum Classic blockchain by a pretty wide margin too. It's got almost 3000 ETC locked in there. Um, and, you know, like exactly like Saturn, there is no administrator. There's no centralized controller. It's uh, completely decentralized as all of these technologies should be because that's what makes them interesting. Wow. Kudos to you, Alex. That's awesome. And if just to add a little bit to that, if you think that a year ago there was an adapt browser for Ethereum Classic, Classic masks stopped working, and none of none of the teams picked it up. When you think it's a blockchain that, that is supposed to be intended for smart contracts, if you don't have a adapt browser, how is that going to work? So that's one tool that that we provided, and now we're seeing that there's more options for users. You have Trust Wallet, you have Nifty Wallet. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Would these tools have been created if, if we had stepped in in the first place? We'll never know, but I, I feel like we're one of the reasons why there's been more interest in developing more tools to use on Ethereum Classic. That's awesome. Awesome. Great responses, guys. This is a very interesting conversation. I think we need to move on to the Reddit questions because we have quite a few to get through. So, yep. Rick, okay, awesome. Rick, I sorted it by best. So I don't know if you wanted to start with the first question and we can just um, knock them off one by one. Let me take a look. Okay, sort by best. We have about 22 questions. Uh, some of the information we covered. So when we, we do the question, we'll, we'll hit on. Now, when we're done with the questions, Neuron gave us 50,000 times two Saturn. There's 50,000 Saturn on the Ethereum chain and 50,000 Saturn on the Ethereum blockchain. It'll be divided by five people. When we're done with all the questions, we're going to pause for a break. We're going to pick five people, and those people will be awarded those uh, questions. So I'll give you more at the end of the program. All right. So let me see. I'm on Reddit. I'm going to sort by best. And the top question here comes from Rusty1993. Rusty's one of our frequent flyers on the Reddit forum. Thanks for asking uh, lots of good questions, Rusty. And so I'm going to start off with uh, his question here. Does the Saturn team intend to launch a branch of the Saturn decks on Cardano? I think that would be great. I was hoping you'd be able to elaborate on something I saw on one of the articles that Sam wrote recently. I saw a message from Justin Sun 
asking if Rados would be interested in collaborating with Tron. I was hoping to find out if there was any more dialogue between you guys, if there are in any other teams that have been interested in some form of collaboration. So there's a lot to digest there. What do you think, guys? Does the Saturn team intend to launch on Cardano? And what's going on with Tron? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, like I mentioned earlier, very committed to bringing Saturn Network to more than one blockchains. I've, I've spoke about it before. I've, I've never really understood why in cryptocurrency there's, there's uh, such a focus on being kind of a maximalist about your blockchain. If you're on Ethereum, you just want to talk about Ethereum. If you're on, you know, if you're only about Bitcoin, you only want to talk about Bitcoin. I believe if we really want cryptocurrency to be adopted kind of worldwide and be a success and be more widely used, it, it's more about um, creating these links and as, as uh, you mentioned in the beginning, the interpolability between kind of chains. So I think there there definitely needs to be more projects that are committed to kind of going multi-chain or cross-chain and that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely we love what Cardano is doing and I think we'll definitely be following um, their updates about the bringing the, the smart contracts live on the main net. All right, thank you. And Rusty goes on to ask, he says, I've been hoping that there will someday be some form of collaboration between uh, Saturn team and Emergo and IOHK. Are there any plans for this? Do you plan on reaching out to Emergo or IOHK? Um, I have spoken to Emergo before, and um, they do seem interested about what we're doing. Uh, I haven't really spoken in length with them, but I, it seems like they're very approachable. And so, yeah, I would if, if we go ahead and, and deploy on the Cardano, it's definitely someone... Um, a team that I would reach out to because I feel they may be able to bring a, a lot of help on kind of the marketing side of things and and help promote Saturn Network as a, a place to trade on, on Cardano. All right. Thank you, Sam. Alex, do you have any take? Otherwise, we're going to wrap that one up. Anything on the Rusty's questions? I, I think that Sam answered that one very well. Oh, and sorry, I, um, he also asked about Tron, didn't he? So, uh, I mean, when Justin Sun reached out to us, it was very early stages um, of Saturn Network, and we weren't actually live on Ethereum or Ethereum Classic yet, so it, it, the timing wasn't really there. And, you know, recent, more recent updates from Tron shown that I'm not so sure they're a blockchain that, that kind of aligns with our philosophical way of thinking. I think I noticed, I read an article about them turning dApps off for users in Japan and things like that. So, I mean, that that doesn't sound like uh, somewhere you would want a decentralized exchange operating. But, I mean, you know, things change fast. We're, we're definitely, we follow updates from a lot of blockchains. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, just, just in sun, you can keep your money. We want our <laughs> decentralization. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Philippe. Okay, sounds good. Alex needs to leave in like a few minutes. And uh, Sam, so you're going to be answering the rest of the questions if that's okay with you. Yeah, if I can just make one statement before I before I go. Um, yes, so yes, that's fine. I am championing right now um, a project called ECIP 1049, Ethereum Classic Improvement Proposal, where we are creating a SHA-3, which is a very famous hashing algorithm for any... Uh, cryptography people out there, 
proof of work network for Ethereum Classic. It's currently live. Uh, people can connect to it. They can you can mine on it. And right now it's still entirely in the proof of concept stage. So if you're really interested in proof of work systems and looking to connect it with Cardano, looking to connect it with your apps or anything, go to aster.host. So A-S-T-O-R dot host. And that's where you can find all the information about the SHA-3 proof of work testnet. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. That sounds great. Thank you, Alex. We appreciate you. And hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Sounds good. I'd love to. Uh, see you around, Sam. See you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you, Alex. So the next question, the next Reddit question is from the RTAP. And the RTAP said that, what are your plans for token curation? And do you see more potential in Saturn token curated lists or allowing any user to create their own list? Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question. I mean, what we and what I mentioned earlier is that we don't have any form of censorship on Saturn. So you can list any token and it will appear on our on our full asset list. But one thing that I hope um, will happen in the future is you'll find more mirrors of our decentralized exchange because we're also we have plans to launch a kind of I guess you could call it a, an affiliate smart contract. So you would be able to take this smart contract, launch your own decks quite easily, you know, and you can make the front end however you wish. And the back end will be powered by our smart contract Saturn protocol. So that would um, give the give uh, you the kind of control to if you wanted to make these sort of lists where maybe you only had um, tokens coming up that had a, a, a daily volume or uh, certain types of projects, that sort of thing. So that's something that could happen in the, in the future. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so the next Reddit question, we're going to go through these kind of rapid fire, but we're going to make sure we get them answered, but briefly. Was, uh, thank you, so Reddit user RTAP, for the last question Philippe read off there. The next one is from Reddit user Quarky, and Quarky asks, uh, the Saturn network is far superior to other DEXs like IDEX, Kyber Network or Ether Delta in everything but volume and liquidity. Now it's part of his question, but I would say you know Kyber Network does have a really nice web page. I'll give him that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what he asks is, how does the team plan to solve or improve this, and how will you bring Saturn to the masses? So how do you plan to and solve or improve volume? I mean, recently we've also announced uh, arbitrage bots which will work between ex different exchanges. So you'll be able to run your arbitrage bots and, and that should help bring a lot more liquidity uh, to the exchange. And really it's it's about um, in bringing in more users. You know, if we have more users on the webpage, then we'll have more volume. It's, it's just kind of how it goes. And I think being one of the only decentralized exchanges committed to being multi-chain, I think as soon as we, if if we add a third blockchain onto our list, suddenly Saturn Network is is very unique. So I think that would bring in a lot more users, and we would see a lot more volume and liquidity. Because I think even if you come onto Saturn Network to trade on Ethereum Classic, you're always going to see what's happening on Ethereum or the third blockchain in the future, and that should help overall activity. I think. Okay, thank you for that. And let's assume I'm I'm a dum dum, which isn't very hard to assume. Yep. Um, 
and and I want to use an arbitrage bot. I don't even know what arbitrage means. I'm going to have to Google that. How do, how do I use an arbitrage bot? Are there instructions somewhere? Yeah, so arbitrage is very popular in crypto because prices on exchanges vary between different exchanges. So if we, let's uh, make it very simple and talk about Bitcoin. So if you're trading Bitcoin on Binance and you might see that you can sell it for more on Coinbase. So you buy your Bitcoin on Binance and then you move it to Coinbase or ideally you want it in both exchanges so you can do it simultaneously. And because when you start moving it around, you, you might miss your window. So that, that's kind of what our, how arbitrage works. So on our sense, it would be be spotting where you'll make a profit by buying tokens on a different exchange and then being able to sell them on Saturn Network or, or buying them on Saturn Network and selling them on, on a separate exchange. And I mean, I'm, we'll see how the first versions look. Maybe the first versions of our, our arbitrage bot might require more of a, a command line usage, um, so being comfortable with command line. But, you know, we're committed to making it as easy as possible. We'll have tutorials. We'll try and create video tutorials and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, maybe in the future, we can make it even more simple and it can have its whole kind of UI and it will just be kind of like plug and play, put in your private key, put in your accounts and click start sort of thing. Is this a solution that has to be built off chain because arbitrage is all about speed uh, prices are changing constantly. So if things don't go in immediately, I mean, your arbitrage opportunities become lost with time. So is that something? Yeah. That would... So yeah, that's a, a good point. It's definitely a bit more complicated when you're speaking about a decentralized exchange, because as we spoke about earlier, when you make a trade, you have to wait for the network to confirm it. And, but one thing that we're, so our, our first versions will be kind of, like you said, they'll, they'll be off chain. And, but there is another form of arbitrage that we're working on, which is called atomic arbitrage. And that happens only between decentralized exchanges. And because of that, by using the smart contracts, you can, you can make it that it, it can function in a way that will never fail. And so that is another kind of way we're looking at it. And if you want a more kind of technical breakdown of what is atomic arbitrage, you can search that term on our blog or feel free to kind of come on our forum, ask the question, and I will make sure one of our, our kind of more main developers or Noran will give you a detailed answer. Perfect, perfect. So we're going to move on to the next Reddit question. Um, so thank you to um, Quarky. The next Reddit question is Tony from Shoshone. And the question is, there's lots of chatter around decentralized exchanges. What is the advantage of having a decentralized exchange? And how does KYC, know your customer, play into a decentralized exchange? So this was covered in the earlier section of the podcast, but did you want to touch on it again? I mean, I think we've... Uh cover that sufficiently. When it comes to my thoughts on KYC is if you're trading crypto to crypto, I don't really see why it's necessary. If your exchange has an onboarding kind of ramp, which uses fiat, um, you know, US dollars or euros or some any, any currency like that, then I understand why KYC 
needs to exist and there's regulations to follow. But that is something that the Southern Network is, is probably never going to do because we don't we don't really have any plans to have any kind of onboarding that you can buy crypto with your fiat or something like that. You know, maybe maybe in the future we'll see people that create their own mirror of Saturn Network and then kind of secure their necessary licenses to add that onto their own website. But that's not something that Saturn Network has any kind of plans to dive into. Okay. Perfect. Perfect response. Rick, next question. Now the next Reddit user Saviska asks, how does Saturn relate to Cardano? Why is the Cardano effect marketing an Ethereum-based coin? And what I would like to do on this question, I actually got a response from Neuron, which I'm going to copy and paste Neuron's answers to all these Reddit questions also um, after the podcast. And Neuron wanted to address the the tribalism first and you know like why why tribalism so this is a great question it was very important to ask from reddit user Savisca. but what do you guys think why why is the cardano effect uh marketing an ethereum based coin well first we we talk about tribalism consistently and sam has touched on it on this podcast alex was touching on it too this whole idea of existing in one camp doesn't make any sense you know, there are lots of different cryptocurrency projects out there, lots of different blockchains. Of course, a lot of them are not going to exist years in the future, but there are going to be some certain blockchains that continue to exist. And whatever you feel about Ethereum, if you feel that Cardano is superior to Ethereum, that's fine. And that's that's your prerogative. But Ethereum is not going anywhere anytime soon. Just want to let you know that. Um, so... As a project, you guys are a business. Being blockchain agnostic is probably the best way you can go because you can reach as many customers as possible. Um, the same reason why there are certain banks that are other that are better than other banks in the legacy system, but people use inferior banks all the time. There's differences of choice, and there, you just have to make sure that your options are available for the masses. So whether you're building on EOS or you're building on Ethereum and you want to move to Cardano, that's the kind of interoperability that we need. And it's also ultimately that's what's going to connect the crypto world and not you, you people that are worried about just having exclusive projects. It's, it's, it's very short-sighted, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and thanks for that answer, Philippe. And I'll wrap this one up and go to, and you can go to the next question, but, um, it was a great question. Very important to ask that because a lot of our, our Cardano users are thinking the same thing. But there's a reason why the Cardano and IOHK wrote a paper called Non-Interactive Proof of Proof of Work, NIPA POW, in the uh, mid-2018 timeframe. They plan on connecting to the NIPA POW networks, uh, coins out there. So that's why. Okay. All right. Great question, though. Absolutely needed to be asked. Thank you, Sofiska. From uh, Reddit, and Philippe, you want to take the next one from Give Me the Coins. Okay, um, Give Me the Coins asks, how does the Saturn Dex compare to Ether Delta? Says that uh, allows exchange to a decentralized order book in just one transaction, allowing decentralized exchanges to share a liquidity pool and feel the benefits of a much higher trading volume. And a newbie question from a user trader perspective: What are the implications of exchanges being able to do this? Is this an aggregation of all orders across all exchanges? Um, so I guess we can just tackle that part. 
Um, they're just asking the comparison between Saturn, Dex, and Ether Delta. And um, we touched on this earlier in the podcast, too. I don't know if you wanted to add anything, Sam. Yeah, I mean, one thing I could add is that, I mean, we've mentioned it a lot that we've created quite a lot of open source tools. Another uh, release that we made is, is Saturn's JavaScript client, which anyone can use, and that will allow you to create tools that can access the order book, that can create orders, make trades, and you know you can develop your own tools that, that access the order book. And at the moment, not, not that many tools have been created, but I think more are coming. More people are, are seeing the kind of power and getting that vision that they can enter the ecosystem and create what they want. And they're all kind of working together and it all kind of adds value to Saturn Network. So I think that's another aspect that kind of uh, differences, differentiates from other decentralized exchanges. Perfect. And the second part of that question is, uh, once you buy Saturn tokens, will you become an essential part of the development team? And there's a quick follow-up question. How many tokens do I need to buy to be allowed to eat donuts should they arrive in the office's kitchen? So I'm not sure if that's an internal joke or just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we, we you know, we, we're... Our project is quite vast, so we haven't been able to touch on everything. But the reason we say that when you hold Saturn tokens, you're an essential part of the team is because it, it means you're a Saturn DAO member. And though the DAO is not kind of launched yet in the sense that it's not on the mainnet, it's not live, we've always kind of been operating philosophically as a DAO. Um, and what it means when it does go live is your Saturn tokens will give you voting power. So there will be things that you'll be able to vote on, such as, you know, the default fees of the exchange and, you know, lots of other things. And that way, as a collective, we'll be deciding how the project updates itself and how, how it moves forward in the future. All right. That sounds good. And I would also like to note that... Um, Crypto can be very developer-centric. So when you buy into a DAO, you're not becoming a developer. I bought in. I'm not a developer. And what I mean by crypto is very developer-centric is it's so young that the largest there's a vast number of participants in crypto who are developers because either the only ones that understand it or it's so early on, they're the only ones that get how these tools work. Okay. And I'll just give you an example. My daughter's watched this podcast a few months ago. And she said, Dad, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Now, my daughter, she's a very smart scientist. She's a biochemistry scientist. Right. And she knows, I mean, she is really bright. And she watched the podcast and was like, we may as well be speaking a different language because we are. Okay. So we got to be aware of that. And that's what this podcast is for, is to try to take it from the developer level to the user level. Once we break crypto out of this mold that is kind of developer centric and get it into the financial systems and the, the average common everyday people, then we're going to see a lot more progress, but it's going to take time. It does take time. Um, thank you for that answer, Philippe. I think we're good with give me the coins. I'm going to roll on to um, our next question is further down. Sunny1022 Reddit user. Thank you for the question here. Sunny1022. And what he asks is, 
with the onslaught of crypto open source projects, and I love that word onslaught, with the onslaught of crypto open source projects copying each other, tweaking a small portion of code and presenting it as their new project, why doesn't Cardano keep the project closed source initially to protect its intellectual property? Now, this is a very good question. It's not Saturn related, but it's definitely one that needs to be asked. So what do you guys think? Why doesn't Cardano just close source everything and say, stay out of my business? Why not? I mean, I think there's a, definitely an aspect of knowledge sharing, which is very important. And that's kind of why we have a lot of tools that are open source and we try to, to spread them as, as much as we can and explain what we're doing. And I think that's something that that is really seen in Cardano as well, because you have so many kind of research papers that get published and uh, a lot of, um, you know, open source code. And it's it's all about knowledge sharing. It's it's about improvement, self-improvement, if you want to say that. And it just helps. It helps uh, other people learn. It helps other people add value to, to what you're trying to create. And I would also have to add that uh, we had Marcus Herney on episode 27 of the Cardano Effect podcast. And we were speaking about a similar similar topic. And while projects are open source in crypto and it's easy to copy and fork and do this and that, you can't replicate the team and you can't replicate the community that's behind that team. So if you have a strong community, uh, whether that's uh, with Cardano or the people that are loyal to the Saturn network, you it's very hard to replicate that after a given period of time. And um, you know the the developers and the talent that are going to improve the protocol over time, they're staying with those original projects. So I'm hearing I'm hearing things about this guy named Neuron. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm butchering his name, but can you replicate that and replicate another project? I mean, it's it's a it's a broad example, but I'm just taking things that we're talking about in this podcast. What do you think, Rick? Oh, yeah, they can fork the code. That's what GitHub is for. They can just fork it and make another coin or another branch. Um, I think Saturn is open up on there, um, but on, on GitHub. But um, I'd also like to point out we've had previous guests, and I think it was either Dr. Philip Wadler or Dr. Chakravarti. One of them said security through obscurity doesn't work. Putting it out in open source and letting people look at the code does work. So I think that's probably another reason why we're using open source because it does work. Uh, that's all I had. To, that's all I have on that. Next question from Rob Corn. Rob Corn. That's um, Robert Kornacki. He's one of the developers in the Cardano ecosystem working on the SOSV project, uh, uh, Emergo D Labs. And uh, his comment here is interesting project. I remember hearing about it nominally at some point, and it would be great to watch a deep dive. His question is, given that this is a DAO and people can gain greater stake by purchasing more tokens, what would stop a competitor buying out a significant percentage of all tokens and then shooting down every new proposal over a decent period of time? So this is a form of attack he's referring to here. Yeah. Thus, okay, yeah, go ahead. So what, what's your take on oh, that? Oh, sorry. Sorry to butt in. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and we, we've been asked uh, this question a few times, actually. But the the answer is kind of that it's capital at risk. You know, the tokens are worth something on the market. So if an evil party, let's say you call it an evil party, buys up a lot of tokens to, to push their decisions through, and they start rejecting other decisions, 
then one of the consequences is the tokens price is going to go down. So that that evil party is suddenly losing money. Um, and at that point, you know, the tokens will be cheaper and then the good actors can come in and buy at a discount. And then they may have enough voting power to stop what was going on and start earning money by making good decisions. So, I mean, it's very simple. You, you make good decisions, the exchange is successful, Saturn Network is a success, and then, you know, your your own, your tokens are kind of generating more income. And if you make bad decisions, then the exchange is not really as excess as a successful, so that can drive the price down. So it's it's kind of a financial incentive that, that motivates people to make these good decisions. And I would say that being able to buy into a DAO is a great idea because it's what makes this financial incentive possible. So it ensures that the DAO stays competitive for years to come. Because really what we're trying to build here will exist even after we're all dead due to being deployed on the blockchain. It's not going anywhere. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of quote of with great power comes great responsibility. So, you know, if, if the DAO tokens pay you enough for holding them um, from the exchange dividends, then you're even more insensitized to hold them and make decisions that and participate in the governance and try and make decisions that will add more value to the ecosystem. And, you know, I'm not saying that you're always going to make good decisions, but that's kind of one of the beauty of the DAO is that if the direction, if the direction is going wrong, it's very easy to quickly change your course, which is something you is much harder in like a traditional corporate environment where uh, when things are going wrong, you need to have several board meetings and votes and it could take uh, weeks to correct the course of the company. Whereas a DAO, oh, that decision was the wrong one. Let's start a new vote, get that through, and then go from there. Yeah, that's a great answer. And the reason I like that idea is because basically if a bad guy takes over the coin and they own all the stake and people get pissed off, they'll say, you know what? I'm going to take my business somewhere else and they'll leave and the bad guy's left holding the bag. There you go. And, so, and that's how it works. There you go. All right. Thank you for that question, Rob Korn. Yes. Thank you, Robert. And if you missed the episode 31 of the Cardano Effect podcast, we had him on. So check that out. So great episode. So next question is B. Pockler. And B. Pockler says, hello, I have a few questions for the team. What are your views on this current state of cryptocurrency? And how does the future look like? I would like to hear your opinion for crypto in general, and also for your project and correlation with Cardano. Greetings from Slovenia. So we've addressed the second part about the correlation with Cardano, but uh, the first part of the question is, what's your what's your views on the current state of cryptocurrency, and what do you think the future beholds? Yeah, I think we're currently at kind of a, a crossroad in in the direction cryptocurrency is going to take. Is is if we're just going to let these centralized actors that that we've talked about in the form of big exchanges or big, uh, you know, even even ICO listing websites, they charge tremendous amounts of monies just to get your project on their website so you can um, get it in front of the right people. And it's it's kind of, are we going to let these, these companies just replace what has been happening in our finance, 
you know, traditional financial world for generations, or are we going to take this technology and really run with it and make that kind of decentralized future and where people can really be their own bank and that sort of thing and, and always have control of their finance and be making their own decisions. And so I think it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it could go two ways at the moment. You know, you, you're seeing more people adopting decentralized technology and using it as, as it should be or how I feel it should be. And you still have actors that I think are, will disrupt um, the industry. So it's, it's, you know, it's still a very, very new technology. So we're still kind of learning and learning how how to use it how we want to use it and it's it's kind of pushing a you know you see it every day governments trying to regulate it and they don't know how to regulate it so it's kind of pushing things in many different directions and we'll just it's kind of see where where it ends up but in my eyes yeah it's very positive what's going on all right thank you sam yes Next question, Rick. Okay, the next one is uh, Tony from Shasoni. Now, we've uh, talked about this one a little bit already. He asks, please explain what a DAO is and why Saturn has chosen to operate as a DAO. I'll take the first half of that question. So a DAO we touched on earlier in the program, it's a decentralized autonomous organization. It's like a financial services company that has no humans, completely automated on the blockchain. Um, it, so is that correct? That's a good summary, right? Yeah, no, definitely a great summary. And, and the reason we've chosen to operate as a DAO is because we feel it's, it's the next evolution of, of how a, a business should run. Um, you know, it, it's going to give you that speed to make those kind of quick decisions that I, I talked about earlier. And it, it's operating as a real collective and not just having a board of directors or one kind of person making those decisions. And where you know you can suddenly, the suddenly kind of, you know, they could be pushing their ulterior motives and that sort of thing. So we we just feel it's the the next step for how businesses should be operating in the future. All right, thank you for that. And old crypto geek left a link on Reddit if you want to read more information on that. Philippe, you want to take the next one? Yes. So the next one is from Singverse. And Singverse says, since Saturn is a DAO, I'm interested to know what their plan is on future changes or enhancements to their technology. How will those decisions be made and who will make them? Also, compare it with IOHK's plans to do in Cardano regarding sustainability and governance. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that would be very, very interesting for Saturn Network in terms of, of like future technology would be the ability to implement cross-chain trading in a, in a decentralized manner easily. So that that's something that that we really follow. And if you know our white paper mentions it, but we haven't really kind of set any how would you say it set any decisions on how we would achieve it because we feel it's a it's a aspect of the industry that that will could change in a in a matter of months. So. They'll definitely, no one's really figured out the best way to achieve that yet. So that's something that could really enhance our our own um, ecosystem. And I mean, in, in terms of um, governance, the the decisions that are made by, by 
their token holders. So anyone will be able to put forth a vote. And because it's enforced by a smart contract, then these decisions will, if they're voted through, then they will happen. It's not, there's, there's some other DAOs in operation where the voting is more seen as feedback for the developers, but Saturn DAO is really, this is the decisions and that's how it will go. If, if someone starts a vote that they think the development team should change, well, then that could happen. Um, so that, that's how far we are running with Saturn DAO that really we've taken this way of setting up a decentralized autonomous organization and we're going to ensure that that's kind of how it runs. All right. Thank you for that. Because really the governance kind of falls on the blockchain itself. For example, if Cardano connects to the DAO, the governance of Cardano falls on Cardano. The governance of Dash falls on Dash. The governance of Tezos falls on Tezos. Then they come together in the DAO, right? Yeah, I mean, the way it currently operates is that there you could say there's actually two DAOs because we're deployed on Ethereum and on Ethereum Classic, and we actually have two tokens. We have a token on Ethereum and we have a token on Ethereum Classic. And the reason we, we've set it up in this way is because that's a way to ensure it's truly decentralized. Because if we... So when we launch the Saturn DAO onto the main net, it will be deployed onto both blockchains. And because if currently, if, if you use some way to vote with your Ethereum tokens on what's happening on the Ethereum Classic blockchain, then that wouldn't be decentralized. So that's why I mentioned that that kind of cross-trading aspect, the, the cross-chain trading aspect, that that would be kind of a very, very important enhancement in the future. All right. Thank you. And thank you, Singverse Reddit user. The next one comes from the Rebel in Black. The Rebel in Black 13. Thank you, Rebel in Black. Good crypto name. So what Rebel in Black asks is, how many forks does the Saturn network intend on having? I assume the team will have another fork in the future in order to use the Cardano protocol. I'm not sure if that's real, but we'll get uh, Sam's answer on this. Wouldn't it make sense to ask Saturn holders to engage in a token swap? It would minimize the confusion. Excessive forks and switching from one network to another will drive away newbies away from your exchange. Uh, he also states that the Saturn trading experience should be easier. It would be nice to see an exchange token is interoperable. And I thought the exchange was pretty easy to use. So let's go back to the initial question here. How many forks does the Saturn network intend on having? I mean, as many as possible. <laughs> as many blockchains that we would can support, we you know we're committed to bringing a decentralized exchange to to as many every blockchain. Obviously, at the moment we're deployed on two, and like I've mentioned before, we're quite a small team, so you know it's it's it, the development moves maybe at a slower pace than than people would would like to see. But yeah, I, I could definitely see us being deployed on Cardano, and then we would be supporting free blockchains. I understand what you mean. It would be nice to to be able to trade without swapping network in your wallet, but that is currently just a, a limitation of of how how we want. Well, it's not really a limitation. It's that we want our exchanges to truly be decentralized. So. When you see a, some, an exchange that is calling itself a decentralized exchange, but 
it supports all these different blockchains and you're trading from one wallet, then I, I am willing to bet they are using some sort of centralized aspects in their back end, which is putting them all together and that there's some deposit or withdrawal system where you're losing access to your funds. So that's why I've mentioned if there's a, a team somewhere that develops an easy way to, to make this kind of interpolability or cross-trade decentralized chaining, then that is something definitely we would look at slotting into a Saturn network and making everyone's life much easier. But as it stands, you just have to do one click in the wallet. So then the page reloads. So, I mean, I can I definitely see where it's coming from, that it's a, a bit harder for newbies to grasp because you, you have to use a, an extension instead of just creating an account on the website. But I feel like um, if you watch a video or you just try it out yourself, you, you should you should get the hang of it. And once you get the hang of it, I, I don't really see it as a, as a limitation myself. But we're always willing to take on board feedback. So, you know, just visit our forum, forum.saturnnetwork, and make a proposal, and we'll definitely look at it. You know what I'll do, Sam? I'll make a video later today and put it on my Digital Fortress YouTube channel showing exactly what the Rebel in Black is asking because this is a really good question. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, for example, trading from Ethereum Classic to Saturn or many of these other tokens like Titan and Onyx or OneX, that's real easy. That's like super simple. Just click, click, bam, you trade. But if you want to switch over to the Ethereum chain, you have to take a selector drop-down menu, switch to the Ethereum chain. Then you can trade from Ethereum to other tokens that are riding on Ethereum. However, what you cannot currently do is you cannot trade across from Ethereum Classic to Ethereum. You can't go from chain to chain. You actually have to switch. Uh, so that was a really good question. And I'll get another little bit of a video out on that to show what he's talking about. And maybe, maybe someday, I guess, uh, I guess that begs the question, eventually you'll have the technology to swap from Ethereum to Ethereum classic on yeah. the Saturn network. I mean, hopefully, but as I, as I mentioned earlier, it's um, that sort of technology is something that companies like with the funding in the realm of Facebook or Google are still trying to figure out. So you know, hopefully, maybe someone will um, develop this sort of protocol that we'll be allowed to use, and and we can kind of slot it into our existing our existing infrastructure. But yeah, it would it would require some serious funding, and for us to develop it ourselves. Okay, thank you for that, Philippe. All right, next question is from the RTAP. Do you have an idea as of yet as to how difficult it will be to port the Saturn infrastructure to Cardano? I mean, I think we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but my understanding, um, as soon as the kind of K-EVM computational um, layer has, has been deployed onto Cardano mainnet, then we would be able to deploy our existing smart contracts. And then it's, it's quite easy to, to launch Saturn Network onto Cardano. I also feel like, as we, we spoke earlier, I mentioned that there was no DAP browser on Ethereum Classic, I don't think that uh, Cardano will, would make this sort of oversight. I, I'm pretty sure their wallets will have DAP browsers from the beginning. So I think like, we'd be able to deploy and people would be able to start using it immediately with their own kind of 
Cardano wallets, and then hopefully we would add the Cardano network onto the Saturn wallet as well. Perfect. Perfect. Rick, next question. Yes. All right. And thank you for that, Sam. And just to kind of revisit previous questions based on Sam's answer, if you go on the datalesswallet.io website, notice that there is an Ethereum icon in the Daedalus wallet, the Cardano Daedalus wallet, and it says coming soon. So that kind of relates back to the question about why is the Cardano effect doing something on Ethereum blockchain? Well, because Cardano is building stuff that relates to Ethereum blockchain, like KEVM that Sam had just mentioned. And I was also wondering, Plutus, would you guys be able, Sam, would you guys be able to build the same thing on Plutus, but you would have to start from the ground up or am I misunderstanding that? Yeah, I believe Plutus is a separate uh, programming language for smart contracts. So currently, because we're deployed on Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, uh, the smart contracts are written in Solidity. So, I mean, if uh, I'm not sure really how, you know, porting to Plutus would go, if it's simple, maybe that is something we would look at. I'm not too sure about that. Like I mentioned earlier, our founder, Neuron, who's very, very more technical on the, the programming aspect. He's very accessible. If you post a question on a forum or you come in our chat and ask, he'll definitely get back to you. So if you if you want to ask him a question about Plutus, then please do. Okay, thank you for that. All right, and our next question comes again from Tony from Shoshone. Thank you, Tony. And his question is, he says, I'm a Cardano investor and considering that this is the Cardano effect, I would like to know what Saturn Network's long-term ADA strategy is. Uh, kind of relates to the other questions. What's the long-term strategy? Yeah, I mean, in, in our white paper, we do have a section that covers other blockchains and how we how we intend to launch onto them. And, and the step one would be to have a protocol sale. And that would, we would deploy a Saturn token onto the intended blockchain, and then we would sell a allocation immediately and to start selling, you know, Saturn DAO ownership on that blockchain. And at that point, it would, it would really be more seen as uh, an investment to help us deploy onto the, the new blockchain. So that's, that's kind of how it would start. That's how our strategy would look like uh, if we wanted to bring Saturn Network onto Cardano. Um, like I've mentioned before, you know, we're a smaller team, so we have to kind of work on this the, for crowd sales and crowdfunding to, to be able to move forward. I'm not sure if, if, the, if a, a different opportunity arises. Like we mentioned earlier, there's different companies on Cardano like Emergo and Emergo and other, other sites that, that I believe uh, provide funding for teams that are doing interesting things. If something like that happened, then maybe we'd have a different strategy, but that's how it would, would look like and reading our white paper. Sounds good. Sounds good. So the next Reddit question, um, so thank you for that Reddit question. And the next one comes from um, SFT1. Says, hi guys, I came to follow Saturn Project last year after reading your four-part insightful articles series on exchanges architecture. After IDEX started blocking some jurisdictions, apart from your post, I like that you are saying the things the way they are, no mumbo jumbo, but transparency. 
I also understand somewhat the difficult feat you are trying to achieve, a real dex. Um, I have three questions. The first question is, is it great that you will do multiple chain slash cross chain? This will make Saturn more future-proof, but you need traders, whales, etc., which slowly are coming in on the platform. And even when you guys are doing a great and exemplary job, do you think that somehow any second-layer scaling technology might be needed to improve UI, UX, that is attracting a liquidity and adoption? Or do you think that a breakthrough indexes in that front will come from somewhere? And in the meantime, you better keep building and make the best Saturn to be available through different wallets. So I didn't grasp everything that this question was answering, but um, I think the summary of this question was, I don't know, Rick. Uh, yeah, I think it's quite a long question. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and that was one of three. This is still a really good question. So do you think a breakthrough for the DEXs, will that come from somewhere in the meantime or you guys you guys are the breakthrough? What do you think? Breakthrough in the DEXs? Yeah, I mean, I think for a breakthrough in, into DEXs, it's more about the adoption. So as we're seeing now, there's more light being shined on centralized exchanges doing a, you know widespread wash trading and, and fake volume. So I think that helps. More people are aware that there's a different option. And I think it's it's just about adoption as well. So, you know, if it, and that happens on all levels. If, if you know someone who's interested in crypto, mention Saturn Network, sit down with them, do a trade with them. I think if you if you show them the project, then it should be quite eye-opening. Um, so that should help attract more liquidity and adoption. And to kind of uh, tie it into what Cardano is doing, I know that they have a... Cardano seems to have a very kind of strong uh, meetup. Like uh, there's lots of meetups in different cities, and they, I think they're tackling the problem of how to explain cryptocurrency to everyone very well. And so I think that's something that everyone can do. You know, if you're at a meetup or something, well mentioned decentralized exchanges. Not everyone understands what a DEX is, what a DAP is, even if they're holding some coin. So that's a that's a great way to improve liquidity and adoption and in the meantime yeah we will definitely keep chasing down these kind of um, i wouldn't call them partnerships but engine wallet recently bookmarked us as an exchange in their dap browser so these sort of things speaking to different projects getting ourselves bookmarked and list listed as an exchange it definitely helps and that's something we're we're always doing so We'll keep building on that front as well. Excellent. Another part of that question was uh, the second layer scaling. Would second layer scaling help with the with the DAP or with the Saturn network? I mean, I think I'm not really too sure what he's referring to by that, but maybe the kind of aspect that we're we're providing trading bots that are open source. You could you could see that as as a way that we're going to scale. Um, and that's a kind of different technology. So I think that can help. And um, improvements on the UI, yeah, definitely something that we're working on because um, especially when you're trading on Ethereum. So if you're trading a, a ERC20 token, when you start, you have, to, uh, you have to submit two transactions. And that's something that wasn't too clear on our UI, but we've recently... Uh, made an update to that just today 
and it will walk you through the steps of, of making a ERC20 approved transaction before going on to trade the token. Okay, that totally makes sense now. In my other YouTube video, I screwed it up. That totally makes sense. What happened in the first, so I'll two-part YouTube videos. Um, I tried to trade Spade, which is an old ERC-20, and it had to be approved and then trade. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, but when I did on Ethereum Classic, when I did the ERC-223 tokens, it was amazingly fast and simple, and I just clicked trade, bam, the trade occurred. Like, you know, in, in the amount of time it took for the blockchains to sync up. So now I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons we loved uh, developing onto Ethereum Classic is because they've widely adopted the ERC-223 standard. Um, I'm not really sure why teams on Ethereum keep deploying the, the older standard. If you want a very easy um, kind of anecdote on how to explain the differences, if you went into a store and were just buying a candy bar or something, and then you, you get to the, the payment to the till. If, if you're an ERC-20 token, you're basically saying to the cashier, you have to tell her to put her hand in your pocket and open your wallet and take out the money. <laughs> Whereas if you're an ERC-223 token, then you're doing that part and giving it over to the, the payment. So that's a kind of anecdote that explains the differences. So the approve function transaction, you have to give authorization to allow our smart contract to interact with your wallet. And you can't do that in just one transaction with an ERC-20 token. That's a perfect example. I like that. Thank you. Philippe, what's the next one? Okay. The next question is... Um, I know there is some level of compatibility between Thunder Token and Ethereum. I asked in their Telegram group if Thunder Token could be wrapped and treated like a WETH. I don't know what that is. An exchange in any DEX. They say they have have that and call it Wonder Token, but it's not in any exchange. Do you think any of those tokens and coins that are EVM compatible will be able to be easily wrapped and traded in Saturn? Is there any technical impossibility with wrapped TT? for example, to be traded in Saturn, or this is technically possible, but at the moment, not a generalized easy method to do it as easy as the wrapped Ethereum when it's used to trade for Ethereum or Ethereum Classic for ERC type of tokens. So they're referring to a token that they're interested in called Thunder Token. And um, is it going to be implemented in Saturn in the future? I mean, if, if this is an Ethereum token, I'm not... Uh, familiar with Thunder token myself, but it says, does it say? I'm, I mean, if it is a token that has been deployed on Ethereum, then it should already be compatible with Saturn Network, so you should be able to self-list it yourself and just follow the tutorials that we have posted on, on our forum. If it's not an Ethereum token, then yeah, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to trade it on Saturn Network. If it's if Thunder Token has its own blockchain, then that currently is not supported. I think um, what he's saying about the wrapped uh, Ethereum is some some tokens or some teams, what they do is they have their chain and then they deploy a token on Ethereum and they call it their wrapped token and that allows them to trade it on decentralized exchanges. So if Thunder Token has a wrapped uh, token deployed on Ethereum, then yeah, you, you should be able to trade that on Saturn Network. That is not an issue at all. 
Okay. That sounds good. And we have one more question. Yeah, Philippe, I'm going to follow up on that last one. I just Googled it real quick. Um, Thunder tokens in ERC-20. Doesn't need to do anything. They can self There you them. go. Okay. Definitely. Okay. It's, I'm reading it right now. It's in ERC-20. That's all. That's all I got. Okay. Perfect. And uh, last question was, I know your team chose the narrow path, which says a lot of good things about you as persons. And I see many projects and startups that took the easy path and they are already running out of money and had to reduce their workforce significantly. Um, so my question is, how do you survive? Do you pray? Do you each have part-time jobs? Did you buy BTC or Ethereum at a dollar a long time ago? How do you keep moving forward? How do you sustain yourself? Hope all goes well with you. Thanks. So you can answer that how you like. Yeah. I mean, re- recently, Noran did publish an article on our blog because which is titled Wake Up People. And it, you know, it, it was very, people shared it a lot and they kind of uh, ran with his message. And yeah, he did mention that we were at risk of going bankrupt um, because of the, the path that we've chosen and doing these kind of small crowd sale sessions. If the session doesn't, like, if we don't sell our allocation in the time span that we thought we would, then it can become difficult. Um, so far, we've always been able to stay afloat, and you know we've, we've not had any any significant problems. So you know we've been in the industry for two years now, and managed to overcome any any problems that came our way. So I I don't see us going anywhere. I mean, well, I think we're we're here to stay as as long as we have our community behind us. I feel like we'll be able to continue developing um, continue pushing new tools and continue publishing great content on our blog. It sounds to me like you guys aren't in this for the money. You're in this because you believe in what you're doing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of teams start a project and they want to become rich off their investors. And, you know, if, if anyone, from Team Saturn becomes rich, it's because we'll become rich with our investors. So it's just a different way of looking at things. And I feel like the the key difference is if you look at Saturn Network is we have an emphasis on uh, providing, you know, uh, building what we announce and, you know, not, not kind of just announcing something that we're not going to be able to to develop you know you see a lot of teams that make kind of announcements and it's technology that they they don't even know how to develop themselves so you know that's something that you'll never see on saturn outstanding thank you for that answer and thank you for being on the podcast yes we have um we have to vote on the questions for the giveaway and then we can wrap it up with some final words if that's okay with you so we lost alex midway in this episode but um i guess the three of us can can vote for some questions that uh, for the giveaway. Rick, do you want to lead that off? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So let's pause here. Cut. All right, Rick. Um, we did some deliberation. And Rick, um, we chose the best questions out of the Reddit questions. So thank you so much to all the Reddit users who left some very thought-provoking questions. We really appreciate that. So Rick. All right, so the five contestants or question askers that have won here is Rusty, 1993, Rob Korn, the RTAP, Quarky, and Tony from Shoshone. Okay, so those five people have been selected uh, to receive 
10,000 Saturn on the Ethereum Classic Network, 10,000 Saturn on the Ethereum Network. What I need you all to do is go back on Reddit and provide your address in the link, and I'll check to make sure that the original question user matches the address. I need an Ethereum address, which is also an Ethereum Classic address. They are both the same thing. And I will send your 10,000 Saturn on both chains to that one address. If you want to actually access the Saturn network, you're going to have to use the Saturn wallet or uh, the engine wallet or uh, the trust wallet. But um, the Saturn wallet is a plug in to Chrome and Firefox. And again, that was Rusty1993, Robcorn, the RTAP, Quarky, and Tony from Shoshone. Those five people, make sure you leave me your address so I can distribute your coins. Thank you to Neuron for providing the prizes there. And thank you also, Sam, Alex, who had to leave earlier. And I apologize for messing up the time. OCG was not able to dial in because I messed up the timing of when the podcast starts. So, uh, Philippe, over to you, sir. That sounds good. Thank you, Rick. Um, I want to thank Sam and Alex departed earlier in the episode, but I want to thank both of you for coming on the episode. We really appreciate you. We hope that we can have you again in the future. It looks like the Saturn Network is doing some big things and we're very excited about the decks. Rick has already experience with the decks and I'm sure that his video will be great in the future about how to use this decks. And um, do you have anything, any words for the listeners of the Cardano Effect podcast? If not, we can end it here. Thank you so much. Yeah, th thank you for having me. A great opportunity. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to learn more, just visit the website, Saturn.network, and you'll pretty much find everything you need to know. Sounds good. Thank you so much, everyone. And until the next episode of the Cardano Effect, bye, everyone.